You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest show of them all. NFC East Mixtape Volume. I don't know at this point in time. You can listen to us. Don't forget your NFC East blog podcasts across the SB Nation universe. You can also watch us on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the blogging The Boys YouTube channel. Everybody check out BleedingGreenNation.com, BloggingTheBoys.com, Hogshaven.com, and of course BigBlueView.com. He is Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation. I am Arjo Cho from Blogging The Boys. And as the BTB audience uh, knows over the course of the last few days, I'm a little under the weather, uh, so I know I sound that way. Uh, but nursing myself and fighting through it because the mixtape rules all, and I had to show up, obviously, for this particular week. Did the Cowboys losing make you sick? No. Um, you know, a lot of people, um, like, the, you know, like in my family, you know, I was like, I'm sick. And they're like, well, do you know what's going on? I was like, yeah, I know what's going on. We have a two-year-old, and mm-hmm. you know, he'll be two oh, yeah. in a couple of weeks, and he's going to school. and. It's just like it's like every month we just get sick with something. So um, I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, we got really sick about a month ago and then it went away. And now I have a sore throat. So not a great thing uh, when you talk for a living, which I partially do. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, I, I'm I'm here and uh, we're ready to rock because this is an important mixtape. It's an it's an important time of year for the NFC East. I agree. And not only because of what happened on Sunday, but also the very massive implications of that game and what it means for the rest of really this season moving forward um, for mostly the Eagles and the Cowboys in terms of relevance. Although Washington in the mix for the seventh seed, potentially, I don't know how much that really means and matters considering the seventh seed each year pretty much doesn't do anything. Uh, and then the Giants I, are so we we've had the, the, the seventh seed um, began in 2021. Actually, the Eagles were the first NFC seven seed. No, I'm sorry, it was 2020. Excuse me. Um, the, and the Bears were the first NFC seven oh, seed. Yeah. The, the Eagles had Trubisky. it. The, wow. Yeah, the, the Eagles had it the next year, and last year it was um, the Seahawks. The Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah. So none uh, of those teams won, and and, and none of the, like. Yeah, <laughs> none of the AFC seven seats have won, although the Dolphins came really close last year okay. um, against the Bills. Um, but so we have yet to see a seven seed win a, a playoff game. I'm, right. Obviously, it will mm-hmm. happen at some point in time. Uh, before we get to everything, we haven't done any dilly dallying. Um, do we want to actually I have a question. You're a soup connoisseur. Um, and I mentioned that I have a sore throat. What in BLG's mind is the best soup for when you have a sore throat specifically? Because some soups are great, but maybe they're a little too spicy. You know, maybe they have something that that like kind of hurts your throat. Like, I want you to put yourself in my shoes. I'm not feeling well. My throat is achy. I need some soup to kind of lift my spirits. Yeah, I wouldn't say I like so in general. If you're going for enjoyability, you know, I would go with like a creamy soup, right? Potato soup. Good I don't call. think that's what you really want right now with the throat issue going on. I don't think the cream is really 
the right thing for that. I think you're looking at more of like a brothy soup. So I think you just have to go with a classic chicken noodle soup. I mean, I think if you're not feeling well, I know it's cliche. I know you don't love that basic kind of thing, but I think it's a tried and true classic mm. in this instance for a reason. It works. That's well said. Um, chicken, I actually think that uh, potato soup sounds kind of nice, although it, depending on how much cheese you put, um, I could see it kind of like being overwhelming given how I'm feeling right now. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'll apologize now for the little bit of coughing I'll do. Uh, let's get to it. The Philadelphia Eagles emerged victorious on Sunday, 28 to 23. <laughs> Easy Cowboys win. Are... Easy win for the Eagles. I, do you really feel that way? Do you really no, feel like it was? No, obviously not. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> just making sure. Um, so uh, this was my lock of the week for the Cowboys, uh, which missed. Um, I, I obviously, We have a lot to say about this game, but I'll let you go first because the Eagles did win. Uh, your thoughts. And you mentioned the implications of it. And we talked about this a lot, obviously, in the lead up. Um, and that was some that, that I think is the biggest bummer of a quality for, for me, like the biggest bummer quality is what the Cowboys lost out on in a chance to steal this game and, and the significance it would have provided uh, to them to the NFC's race and to have had Philly sit on it for the entire bye week. But nevertheless, Philly gets to go into the bye feeling pretty tall, eight and one. Um, yeah, your thoughts. The Eagles tried their hardest to give that game away at the end. They almost choked, but. And true justice for Kamu Grugier-Hill, who once said the Cowboys are always chokers. Cowboys choked harder at the end. And uh, obviously, game of inches, narrow margin, whatever, doesn't really matter to me. Because, again, the implications of that win. I don't care how you did it. You had to do it. They did it. Um, it wasn't totally like they just stole the game, too. I mean, they were up 28 to 17, right, at one point. So it wasn't like, oh, wow, they totally just got lucky and weren't even good at all. No. I mean, they played well. And then they didn't play well down the end. And again, they almost gave the game away, but they're eight and one going to the bye week. How many teams out there would you rather trade places with? If you're an Eagles fan, who would you rather be? Would you rather be the Ravens? Okay, sure. They're looking really good. They also lost to Gardner Minshew. They also lost to Kenny Pickett and their playoff. Uh, their quarterback in the playoffs has never done anything really good I mean, at all. So okay, relax okay. on the Ravens thing. The the Eagles. But my lost point to is Zach like, Wilson who would you rather be? You're like the Eagles are well, flawed. I mean, who would you the, rather be? The, the only answer really ever is the Chiefs because okay, they have yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's the only the answer Super Bowl ever. champs right. who have a generational quarterback, maybe right. the best ever, and one of the very best head coaches, if not the best head coach ever. So like, okay, that's who you want to trade place to with. Sure, fine. And even then, Chiefs offense isn't really looking good lately. So it's not even like they're like perfect and they don't have any flaws no but i mean but to answer the question like that's the only one and i, I agree with sure. you and, and like i agree with you there's no like apologies for how the win happened because of how significant it is uh gives the eagles a two and a half game uh advantage over the cowboys now and even if you do believe that the eagles are going to skid a little bit when they come out of the bye when they go to arrowhead what is the exact sequence here it's go to arrowhead and then come back for buffalo mm -hmm. and stay home for san francisco then go to Dallas with the Cowboys coming off the mini buy. By the way, we haven't really mentioned that a lot. Um, and then go to Seattle the week after that. So even if you believe that, you know, be a little bit pessimistic, say they're going to drop three of those games, that would be enough to let Dallas. And, and let's include the Dallas one in that. That would be enough for Dallas to obviously overtake Philly if they don't lose any games between now and then as well. So I mean, it's they, they've given themselves a very wide margin for error, which is what you obviously want. It's, you know, so much has been made of the fact that the Eagles have this very tough schedule, and they do. It's a gauntlet of teams, even though some of those records probably don't, like, totally. Like, the Bills are 5-4, and four, but they're the, still, the like. Bills, 
I, I'm so unafraid of the Bills game for the Cowboys, and like I don't consider that a real opportunity for the Eagles to fall. Like you know, like okay. look at the other games that the Eagles are kind of facing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not as hopeful that the Bills can beat the Eagles. In any case, my point is the Eagles actually have the tenth easy, or not actually no ninth, ninth easiest remaining schedule in terms of strength and schedule because the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants are so bad, and to get to be able to play those three teams with two of those games in Philly at home. And then the last one is on the road in the finale. But like, do you think Giants fans are even going to show up for that game week 18? Uh, you know, like in the season, just totally in the gutter and wanting their team to lose probably because they want, you know, potentially the number one overall pick. So like, you know, even that one road game is probably going to be a lot of Eagle fans taking over MetLife in that situation. So um, if they can just, I mean, there's a situation where they go two and three in the next five and they win out those final three games. They're 13 and four. Like that's a really, really, really good spot to be. That might be good enough for the one seed. Not totally sure. Totally depends on, you know, how things go with Dallas and then the lions as well. Cause the lions have a very favorable schedule here. Um, but if they go three and two again, then you're looking at 14 and three, and that probably is enough to, to win depending again, what happens elsewhere. So they're in a really good spot. Last thing I'll say about the game itself, getting off of the um, looking forward. Going into this matchup on BGN Radio, I didn't say it so much here because I know you'd have an issue with it, but like I felt like not only just this season have the Eagles had some bad breaks, they've had some good breaks too, but they've had some some bad breaks. It's been a mix, but specifically more so in the Eagles-Cowboys series. There's been a lot of things that just have kind of been like out of the Eagles' control go against them, dating back to really, well, honestly, even before the Dak era, if you want to include that game in 2014 where I forget the kicker. Who was the Cowboys kicker that year? 2014 it was dan was, bailey dan bailey i've never seen this happen in my life kicks off the opening kickoff and it bounces back towards the cowboys how do you how does a ball bounce back towards well, the I mean, it's an oblong shaped ball like the physical but like that never that happens that happens on punts because it's a different kind of kick anyway point being like okay you have that then in the dak era the otis mckelvin drops a pick that is like a sure pick from dak late in that game in 2016 okay whatever eagles cowboys go to overtime cowboys win the coin toss cowboys win the coin toss again when the eagles and cowboys go to overtime in 18 and 2018 like that's just luck i'm not the cowboys took advantage of it to be clear but i'm saying like eagles had this thing that had no control over like go against them uh same thing at the end of that game where result douglas like almost picks off dak at the very least it's a third down deflection on third and eight somehow turns into a touchdown for Amari Cooper because the ball bounces off of Rizul Douglas's hands. Wasn't a good pass into Amari Cooper's hands for the game. winning. By the way, Amari Cooper had a touchdown just like that this week, incidentally, um, for for Cleveland. But yeah, it's it's, I'm not done yet. Sorry. Same game is the no clear recovery game where that's just like (laughs) an insane ruling where the Eagles totally recovered that ball. Like my point being last year, last year when the Eagles and I was so upset that the Eagles lost this game because I felt like they played like the better team, but they lost in Dallas. Miles Sanders fumbles. Cowboys recover that one. Uh, Hassan Reddick strip sacks Dak Prescott to ultimately set up that third and 30, which the Cowboys convert. But like, that's the same kind of thing where Eagles could have recovered that. They had bad fumble luck, my point is, in that game. Eagles had good fumble luck in this game. So some of these things are going to even out over time. That's why I don't feel like, oh, the Eagles totally just got all the breaks. Uh, and once again, that's not true. It's not once again. They got it for once. It, it was due. I genuinely felt like going into this game, the Eagles were due for some good luck in this series, and they got it. So um, good for them. Um, my thoughts on the game are, um, I mean, I don't think it's like a negative to say that the Eagles benefited from luck, if you want to call it that. But they did. Like, I mean, you're talking. And, oh, and that was that was a point that I was like, 
no, but that was the point I was upset about was Jalen Hurts had 11 turnovers on the season entering this game. The Eagles offense had 13 and you don't force a single one. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm like leading this brigade, but it's, it's kind of a thing for me on our post game show to kind of bring up like, how come nobody wants to talk about Dan Quinn? Like, and I'm not saying that there's always your main takeaway after I know, but like, but like, do you know how many turnovers the Cowboys have forced in their three losses, the Arizona game, the San Francisco game, and obviously the Philly game zero one. And it was okay. when Christian McCaffrey ran over Jordan Lewis. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know that's if you right. Call that it was a weird, just, like, weird. Yeah, play. like fumbled into his arms. Um, and so, like, we we could sit here and we can, you know, place blame on different, you know, people associated with the Cowboys. But it's like, okay, Dan Quinn, you're supposed to be this, like, alpha dog. Like, your group, you're a big, mighty group who we properly throw all the flowers at, can't generate takeaways in these big games or whatever. And, it's, and like, you couldn't have said this about the Niners or the Cardinals, whatever. But like the Eagles were literally turnover prone. Like they, they had 13 turnovers wow. in what uh the previous eight games. I mean, like that's a lot. And you couldn't gen- and I understand that you like I tweeted that out. People are like, well, they did force three fumbles. It's like, well, yeah, but dude, you gotta find a way. Like you you simply have to. They didn't it's, even force know. three. They were so three happened. Right. So <laughs> they didn't force one. the last one. The Eagles forced that one. Let me that was, let me tell you that. My thing on the turnovers, though, and I went to say this during the uh, NFC East mixtape live episode that we did, which shout out to everyone for tuning in, giving good feedback on that. Um, We'll certainly do another one of those for the Eagles-Cowboys game in Dallas in a few weeks here. Uh, My point on that, though, was like if the Eagles were taking the ball away like they were last year, it was like they're they're really relying on this turnover thing. Everyone would be talking about that, but this isn't sustainable. They're doing it. They're doing it. So but then that has to work the opposite way a little bit then when it's like they're leading the league in this because it's like hey maybe that's what i'm talking about when they've been unlucky at points this year again maybe they were due for some level of positive regression there where they weren't going to be quite as bad as turning the ball over now i say that but they almost did so maybe not well, I, but I, I, uh, I give hurts credit I, I for that. that like that's that's like you know some of it like a lot of it's on dan quinn and the cowboys defense but a lot of it is on jalen hurts like locking down and not turning the ball over right like yeah, so, he didn't throw it, any passes that were like interceptable right. to be clear um, like these were fumble things yeah which happens but there right. wasn't so, any like oh wow like a dropped five drop picks or anything exactly so multiple things can be true there so one uh for me was the turnover thing like dan quinn you your group's got to be better like if you want us to talk about you the way that you get talked about and you want to avoid criticism the way that you do you have to find a way to impact the game um in big games like this um there's a lot of people a lot of cowboys fans complaining about the officiating i think it's lame when anybody complains about the officiating i'm well on record about this like whoever the teams are so i don't i mean like was it poorly officiated yes but i feel that way in general like there were 10 penalties on each team like i hate officials just becoming a part of the game like whether it's impacting my favorite team or not um on the cowboy side of things like the stefan gilmore pass interference yeah I, i found that to be a bit questionable a lot of people had a lot to say about the Luke Schoonmaker non-touchdown. Um, the the most logical argument I can hear on this is, and I know it's like kind of come about, is that he hadn't completed the process of the catch when his knee was initially down. I get that, but I, I think you lose that review because it's it's too, that particular catch was way too difficult to discern like when he fully established possession, I understand that Reed Blankenship hit him early. I don't know that anybody can dispute that. I mean, that's like one of those things, though. That's like you see it on replay, like live. No, like, I know, but I mean, like, it did. It's a it bang bang play live. It's a that's bang all bang I'm saying. Live like, that we don't need that every to be called every single time. Like it wasn't egregiously early. A little early, yeah, and it was just it did, more apparent on replay uh, than it. It is was objectively live. early, though. That's all I'm saying. But like, I sure. don't. I, I fault the official for missing that more than I fault the officials for not considering 
that he didn't have possession until the, he was further in the end zone or whatever. That's too difficult with the with the way that the catch happened to happen. It was way too difficult to discern in the moment. Um, the Dak Prescott stepping out of bounds thing that was super unfortunate. There's a lot of people killing Dak for not finding Brandon Cooks on the Schoonmaker play. Um, he was open on the right okay. side of the field, but I think it was Hassan Reddick who was like right in his face. Like there would have been just no chance in the world for Dak to get back mm-hmm. to that side of the field. He just he had to get the ball out. Um, for me, and I've tweeted about this, I wrote about it in my stock report, I've said it many times, the true inflection point for me was the Michael Gallup drop. I don't know if you saw me say this anywhere. Um, the Michael Gallup drop on the final Cowboys possession of the first half. Um, at that point, the Cowboys had scored touchdowns on their previous two possessions. Uh, it was a third and three, and Dak hits Michael Gallup for the easiest first down conversion in the world. Gallup drops it. The Cowboys have to settle for a field goal, which Brandon Aubrey makes. Well, to... They don't have to settle for a field goal. That's oh, I mean, you're, no, like, you're right. I mean, and I don't, I don't fault them for that, kicking that. Hold field on, goal. let me jump in here. That's very relevant there, and I think this is why I like Nick Sirianni over Mike McCarthy because okay. guess who went for it on fourth and three from what was it, the twenty-six? No, twenty-seven on that Cowboys on the first Eagles drive that I they think... had. Fourth and three, Dallas twenty-seven. Eagles go for it. Fourth and three. Eagles 33, so only six yards back, Mike McCarthy decides to go for a field goal. If look, you're, you, I, I say this, I've said this before, you have to look at these decisions like what would the other team want you to do? The Eagles were begging the Cowboys to kick a field goal there because they couldn't stop them. They were getting I get your the point. In the, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the field, it was wide open. That is on McCarthy. He was a coward there. He was not giving the Cowboys an edge. And that is very much on him. That is not a good decision by him. I, I disagree. I think you're looking at it in also, a vacuum. Also, wait, one last thing. Sorry. The context there is that the Eagles are getting the ball back with plenty of time to potentially get a field goal of their own. They didn't, but they had, they had the ball on their own 25 with like 125 on the clock and three timeouts to work with. So they had plenty of time to score still in that first half. And the Eagles were getting the ball back to begin the second half. So that's like a spot there. I feel like you especially need to go for it and make sure that you're going up a touchdown there. I think you're looking at it too much in a vacuum because Nick Sirianni punted. you more context for it. No, but but Nick Sirianni punted on fourth and three to give the Cowboys the ball with the chance to go take the lead at the end of the game. So, like, if that's you want to okay, play the game. They were on their own no, but, territory, though. I know, but we like, weren't in, went, they weren't in plus territory. He, he went for it, though, early in the game, the very first possession of the game in his own yeah, territory in plus territory, as well. not negative territory. No, the first possession was oh like yeah. no, that was fourth and one. Yeah, that was not no, but that's what I'm three. saying. So like, if you're playing the game, like, what does the other team one. want you to do? Of course, the Cowboys want you to punt from fourth and three. And I thought it was super interesting. I want to get back to the the Michael Gallup thing, but um, that on third and three, that that the Eagles ran this play that was just like this deep shot of AJ Brown because I know you were at the game, but and I don't know if you've watched the broadcast, but Greg Olson was like, okay, this is what the Eagles are going to do. They're going to run this ball and make this third and three much shorter so they can tush push this on fourth and short, whatever. And they didn't. And that was a really risky call. Um, and I don't mind the aggression like at all. But I mean, again, I, I think you're being too harsh on McCarthy to, to fault him for taking points at the end of the first half. Um, now, the Michael Gallup thing, that's on him, man. Like you can't like it was just the easiest pass in the world. You have to catch that. And obviously, if I mean, I'm. I'm adding some ifs and some ands and some buts, but like I, I mm-hmm. think the Cowboys probably go down and score a touchdown. They were moving offensively at that point in time, and if they mm-hmm. do, you're talking you're talking about four more points that obviously would have been critical in a game that you lost by five. At the very end, you need a field goal to win or whatever. I mean, and so that that drop I think is the the true like break point of what happened. Um, cool, Michael or not Michael Gallup, uh, Cool Brandon Aubrey got his record or whatever, but 
Um, that was the most critical moment, I think, of the game, like looking back in hindsight for Dallas. And ultimately, though, the Gallup drop, the Schoonmaker play, Dak stepping out of bounds, not recovering the fumbles. You can't do all of those things against a team this good and and, and expect to win. And you And to be very clear, though, you did get gifted a chance at the very end to steal this game. Um, and I, th- I think you would agree on first and goal at the six, it felt like they were going to. Um, and then the false start happens and then the sack. And it just obviously all snowballed from there. Terrence Steele is taking a lot of heat from Cowboys fans. Rightly so. That contract looks really poor. Um, yeah, I mean, and like the rivalry of it all really doesn't bother me that much. Um, like it sucks. Like, you know, I would I would much rather lose this way to like literally anybody else. But what really bothers me is the value of the game and the impact of it and the significance of it. And I think I feel a way that you felt after the Christmas Eve game last year. I feel like in some ways, not always, but in some ways, Dallas played the better game. I think that Dak was the better quarterback. I'm not that's not a criticism of Hurts. He didn't have to do a lot of things. And I think the things he had to do, he was excellent at. But Dak was really given the context of like he couldn't even it's it's incredible sure. he stayed in the game after like he couldn't even like he could barely get up after taking that uh shot to the knee. Totally. I mean, so to to play to have to you know to debatably have had the better performance, to debatably have had the better quarterback play, uh, to have been better in X, Y, and Z, and to lose is just frustrating. And especially lose a game that would have swung the you, you know, mm-hmm. your odds at winning the division and subsequently being the number one seed in the NFC. Um, that's a tough pill to swallow. I think this it, I think this played out the way, like, a, we all said, like, before the season, these, these teams probably split the series. You know what I mean? Philly probably wins in Philly. Dallas probably wins in Arlington. It played out that way. It was a great football game. And it's a bummer that my team lost, and I'm pissed off about that. It's probably game of the year so far in the NFL. Um, and it was it was a classic. It was really great. Um, and the impact is, is really, really significant in terms of the ripple effect. I don't believe in moral victories, um, but unlike, and I think this perspective is important after the Cowboys lost to San Francisco. I mean, you and I talked about it, like it, it felt like over, like it, it felt like this team had nothing to possibly build upon. Like they had been destroyed versus we've seen this offense since that game grow substantially, grow significantly. C.D. Lamb has really just kind of, not just in this game, but in the three since the San Francisco loss, evolved. Dak Prescott has really kind of taken things into a different direction. There are still some problems that people have. Brandon Cooks' utilization, Tony Pollard's not living up to anything. But I feel much better about this team. This is probably the best I felt about them all season long, despite the fact that they just lost. Um, <clears throat> on the Terrence Steele thing, obviously I do agree with you in terms of like, he's not working out for the Cowboys. Also just credit to Josh. I mean, he got beat by like a very good player right now. Can you, can you tell well, me he's, the two? He's, get, he's getting worked by a lot of people. Like not, sure. no, not to take away from Josh, but Josh, it was such but a like, critical you know. spot. And you know, for Josh and well, who, who are the two players in the NFL right now who lead the league in pressures generated? Do you know them? I don't, Obviously. but I'm going to assume Josh Sweat is one of them. It's Josh Sweat and Micah Parsons. You know, so Josh Sweat is having like an elite, you know, kind of year here. Like he's been very excellent. So in addition to Terrence still being bad, I mean, credit to, um, you know, Josh Sweat coming up huge in a huge spot. And the Eagles pass rush consistently has been clutched this year. Usually it's been Hassan Reddick who's closed things out. But um, interestingly enough, the Eagles actually flipped Reddick and uh, Josh Sweat on that play where Reddick usually would be lining up against Steele. This time he was against Tyron Smith and Reddick didn't get the sack on that play, but he also did make 
definitely drop his eyes a little bit there. If you look at that replay um, going up against Tyron Smith, Reddick kind of like wins enough where Dak gets uncomfortable and kind of moves off his spot a little bit. And that gives like Josh Sweat just enough time to get to him there. So Eagles pass rush has been clutch. Um, like that's the part of it where that wasn't just like luck. Like that part was deserved. Their pass rush, which they heavily invested in, like came through for them at the end, which um, is basically their only chance of playing defense, it seems, because they can't cover anyone a lick right now. Um, going back to the standings of it all, uh, looking at where the Eagles and Cowboys rank here, like this win was so valuable for the tiebreaker scenarios because assuming, let's say there's no more trip-ups in the division for either team other than the Eagles lose to the Cowboys. Let's say that happens. Then they're both probably going to be 5-1, and one, right? Let's say the Cowboys. Within the division, yeah. Yeah, so let's say the Cowboys beat the Giants this week, which I think is like, the I don't know. I don't know if you've seen. They opened as fifteen and a half point fans. Yeah, and they're up to sixteen. I saw that. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually already put a wager on that because it's like I know the odds aren't great, but I'm like the Cowboys are going to win right. this game anyway. <laughs> on the on the money line, by the way, not the spread. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's say they're both probably going to be five and one in the division, right? I'm giving you. You guys haven't played the Commanders, right? No. I mean, it's possible they trip up, but I'm not going to say they do. I'm going to say the Cowboys win both of those games. Eagles and Cowboys both five and one so that tiebreaker so the head-to-head is even and then the division is even then it goes down to common games it's not conference record when it comes to in the division it's common games and cowboys lost to the cardinals so well, the jets the deal. eagles lost to the jets that's true but the cowboys also lost to the 49ers so the eagles have an opportunity there and we'll see you know how these other games right. go in terms of what like the seahawks and the um, bills so there's other games you know for there to determine this but um, certainly, you know, the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals or the Eagles losing to the Jets, depending on how you want to look on it, that kind of cancels it out. Um, <clears throat> going back to the conference part of it all and kind of removing the Eagles part here, let's say we're just looking at how the Cowboys stack up in the conference. I mean, it's tough because Dallas is two and three now in the conference and so, a lot of the other teams like around them the seahawks are four and one the vikings are five and two uh, now niners, you believe in the vikings niners have the tiebreaker over the cowboys currently right and uh they're four and one lions are four and one so like you know a lot of these teams like have or currently and things can change but have that advantage over the cowboys so that's kind of like quietly working against them so play this game with me from the Cowboys' perspective. They're five and three. You bet on them beating the Giants. They're six and three at Carolina Sunday before Thanksgiving. Seven and three, and then right. Washington. You had them beating, so they're eight and three right. after Thanksgiving. Right. Um, a low key important game because everyone's looking forward, obviously, to the Philly rematch, which you you know in the kind of like mock you know right now have the Cowboys winning. But the game before that, Dallas plays the Seahawks at home which could be essential if Dallas doesn't wind up winning the division. Because mm-hmm. as it stands right now, um, Seattle is the five seed in the NFC. And we're only halfway through. But Seattle's the five seed and Dallas is the six seed. And so losing to Seattle would really make hurdling them in the wild card standings really, really difficult. And mm-hmm. that's significant because whoever's the five seed will likely visit the NFC South winner, uh, whoever that winds up being, which right. Dallas did obviously last year. But yeah. if, if you can't get the first round by... I think you want to be the five seed in the yeah NFC. easily. Like I, I mean, like who but are, like literally, literally between who are you afraid of in the NFC South? That, that's what I'm saying. Like if you can if you can't be the one seed and you can be seeds two through seven in the NFC, like I think the argument there's an argument to be made that five is the best position for the wild card round. Um, right. So so you have to beat Seattle in that sense. You don't have to worry about beating Detroit as it relates to the wild card standings because they're going to win the NFC North 
-hmm. but I wanted to get to this point. It's very well, possible. So, so hang on. So, up. so hear me out. So we've got um, Dallas at eight and three um, through Thanksgiving. Then Seattle, you had them beating Philly. So that's at least nine wins mm -hmm. at Buffalo at Miami. Say so they split those. That's 10. So they have about 10, 11 wins mm -hmm. and they're hosting the lions in week 17. I think it's possible that at that point, Dallas is potentially out of the NFC East race and it's Detroit and Philly going mm. neck and neck for the ones. It could be. There could and be I, a scenario and, where the Eagles are yeah, rooting and for I, I wonder <laughs> the Cowboys. If, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder if it's worth like not throwing the game, but worth like, hey, let's lose to the Lions and let's help <laughs> them get the one seed because we're going to be locked into the five seed no matter what. We can't win the division. So, like, I do think that's an interesting storyline as we get closer to. I, I that's a fair point by you. I actually like wrote about that in my NFL playoff picture. Uh, Eagles outlook after this game. Uh, yeah, I, I rather this is the sentence I wrote. So, There's a Cowboys Lions game in week 17 that could potentially see Dallas inadvertently helping the birds get the top spot in the conference. So, so again, Dallas is sitting on five wins at the moment. We have them at eight through Thanksgiving. Let's say they split the birds, the Seahawks Eagles games, because uh, mm -hmm. we, we had them. We both had them beating the Eagles at home. So that would be nine. I have them splitting the AFC East games on the road, the Bills and mm -hmm. the Dolphins. So, so they're at 10 wins. Again, and maybe even 11. That's possible. So 10-11 wins versus the Eagles, who are currently at eight. Um, I think it's fair to say that between Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco, I'm willing to give them at least one. Um, Especially because two of those games are at home. Right. I'm willing to give them at least one, but probably two. I mean, maybe. But still, let's be a little conservative and say, yeah. w let's say one. Say they win one of I their think next... I think you can say they win two out of their next five, at least. I think okay, that's fair. So like, that's conservative, and I think that's fair. The next five are at Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, at Dallas, at Seattle. So that puts them at 10 wins entering week 16. Mm -hmm. And then the Giants would be 11 wins. So they would have 11 wins. Dallas would have 10 mm -hmm. entering that week 17 when Dallas hosts Detroit. And mm -hmm. presumably, Dallas would have beaten Philly um, so would have caught up theoretically that, that could be a, that Cowboys Lions game could be a massive, you know, seed shaking game. If yep. Dallas catches Philly, if Philly puts more distance, whatever, like it could be that, that has potential to have the most implications across the NFC playoff picture. And that's obviously, you know, again, we're just assuming the Eagles lose to the Cowboys. I think it's possible that the Eagles play a better game. Well, that's some, so like e Cowboys. even if even if Philly lose or beats the Cowboys, that adds to the that that perpetuates the point, right? Like that right. that adds to the whole, maybe there is incentive so, to lose to Detroit so, or whatever. Yeah, which is so then it's good for the Eagles to lose to the Cowboys actually. <laughs> so then the Cowboys are actually I don't know. It's, I it's don't, a little for the for the audience's sake, we're not trying to get too far into the weeds here, but these are all important things that you have well, to start is, considering when yeah, you get to this, this time is, of year. I, oh, sorry to, to interrupt, but yeah, a hundred percent. Like this is, this is more than just like this game was more than just one game. Like this is like the ramifications here are huge. Like look at the Eagles playoff percentages right now. Uh, according to the New York times playoff simulator that 99 above 99% chance to make the playoffs, obviously. What are um, Dallas is at by the way? Do you uh, I don't have those up in front okay. of me. I can pull those up, but they're at 88% to win the division. They're at 66% to get a first round by. And they're at 19%, I guess, to make the Super Bowl. So obviously, you know, take those for what they're worth. Things can change. But, like, that's an incredibly good spot to be in entering your bye in Week 10. Um, I'm looking for the simulator right now. Because um, I've also never started 8-1 and one and not gone to the final game of the season previously. I saw you know, um, 
I tweet from Jory Epstein, who a uh, friend of Vlog and the Boys. Um, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna get this wrong, um, but it was something like the Eagles are, like, not a lot of teams have won at least eight of their first nine games in consecutive seasons, and every team that has won the Super Bowl in the second season. I, I'm, I'm butchering that, uh, but well, again, it, it I can just, give you some stats if you want some stats. Well, uh, I mean, I'll, I think we've said enough, and we have to. There's, there's a lot well, of NFC East news to I mean, get to. That's well, a, go ahead. I mean, Go ahead. Uh, so the here's the Eagles eight and one starts, and I think this is relevant for context. It doesn't mean they're definitely going to get there, but uh, okay. So here are the previous seven or one, two, three, six. Sorry, six, eight and one starts. 1949 won the NFL championship. 1960 won the NFL championship. 1980 lost the Super Bowl. 2004 lost the Super Bowl. 2017 won the Super Bowl. 2022 lost the Super Bowl. So. Um, also, I want to note quickly here because there seems to be like some negativity coming off of they're like this eight and one Eagles team isn't even any good, and I get that it hasn't always been fun as much as you wanted it to be. Eagles have literally either held or shared the top record in the league every week since the beginning of last season. So, I like, mean, they chill they, out a little bit, they feel like a like, less what more do you want? They, they feel like a less intimidating version of themselves. With like with respect to last year, you know what I mean? And that's like, fine. Okay, and, well, and even so, they're still the best team in the league. Or all, one of no, them. Like, like that's all we're measuring it against. But like I've said before, like the fact that they're eight and one despite like the turnovers and the inconsistency and like the offensive like problems or whatever. Like they like, and that's what this like this game kind of came down to. And I said this on our post game show. Like I do believe the Cowboys probably played the better game. Like you can define that however you'd like. I think the Dak Prescott was the better you know, had the better quarterback performance in the game. But generally, every NFL game comes down to a handful of moments, and the Eagles have perfected winning those moments. Like, whatever they wind up being, but the Eagles have a, a tendency to capture those moments, and that's really all that matters. And by the way, I didn't want to get out of here without giving credit to my guy, Nick Sirianni. Um, a lot of people I saw were getting on him for challenging the fourth down sneak that Dak Prescott had. Who's um, a lot of people? Because I don't think that's really so much here. Um, I mean, I just saw it on the internet. Thing. I just saw it on, you know, like on Twitter at the time. The upside of that is so big. Right, like, exactly. And, and, and like the cost is is so... Now I recognize that at the end with the injuries that were happening on the final possession, you're thinking like, oh man, I would have loved that timeout, obviously. And and that that wound up being the like one out of a hundred times that it, it could come back to burn you. But like the upside there is so... And that's where I, I have to give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit. It isn't just aggression. He has identified the areas that are worth maximizing the potential right. return on investment yeah and also maybe you just like wanted a timeout there to settle the team down a little bit anyway because kevin byard had just like gotten a penalty you know like, things were getting a little bit heated so at the very least it's like hey maybe you wanted the timeout there to kind of just like we weren't going to call a flat out timeout but point being like you're okay with a stoppage here like okay i might lose this challenge but i'm okay with kind of like letting the defense chill out for a little bit here uh also sirianni seemed he was pissed before that play even happened I don't. I didn't see the broadcast uh, of this part, but it seemed like they reset the playcock there when they shouldn't have. At least that's what I heard. I didn't see it, so I can't speak to that. But he was like furious before that sneak because apparently uh, he thought they reset the playcock when they shouldn't have. But whatever. So, so I, I think, but part of that actually, I think went into part of the reason why he challenged because he was mad and he wanted to yell at the refs some more during the challenge. Last thing I have because you talked about like you know the Eagles just winning and stats has talked about that the Eagles just winning and I've talked about. Jalen Hurts just winning. Jalen Hurts is the fifth NFL quarterback since 1950 to win 
at least 25 games in the span of a 27 game stretch. The other four, RJ. I saw this. Uh, can I guess Tom them? Brady. I, I think I, oh, you, okay, okay. I want to guess Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, um, Jim McMahon, and Norm Van Brocklin. Joe Montana. Ah, man, Norm Van Brocklin, but all the other ones are right. <clears throat> so that's pretty crazy. Um, my last question for you. Um, I don't need you to agree or whatever on whether or not Dallas played the better game or whether or not Dak was the better quarterback in the game. But you've said before that Dak Prescott doesn't scare you. You don't have to use those words if you don't want. But I have to imagine that this was like, you know, it had to have at least annoyed you how functional Dak Prescott was on offense. So of all the NFC playoff quarterbacks, like in all likelihood, right, um, the non-Eagles ones, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, I presume Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Dak Prescott, I guess Josh Dobbs, uh, potentially Sam Howell. Josh Dobbs kind of scares me. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, I, he doesn't need any time. I guess I guess Taylor anything. Heineke, uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, those are all the quarterbacks. For, like, Dak Prescott, again, you don't have to use the word scared if you don't want to. But, like, I have to imagine that, like, it's not fun for you to go against Dak Prescott. Like, he has proven that he can, you know, handle this. I mean, like, I, I have to imagine he's earned a little bit of respect from you. I think Dak played a great game in a losing effort. And, uh, you know, he made some... Well, a key mistake by not getting obviously over the goal line in the two point scenario. Although, you know, I also give some credit there to Brandon Graham. Like Brandon Graham, he he hustled over and he forced him like out. Like it wasn't just him, but he still deserves some level of credit there. It wasn't like Dak was like wide open and just randomly stepped out. He was pushed out a little bit. Um, I was my top concern, and I I, I wrote this, I podcasted about this. My top concern in going into last week's matchup was what I said it was CD Lamb. Because he's going up against a very uninspiring, like, it's not even the Eagles' third-string cornerback. It's their third-string option, which is rotating an undrafted rookie free agent in Eli Ricks, who at never, at any point, I don't know back, I don't know going back to Alabama, I don't know his career that well, but at least in training camp this year, he never repped in the slot. He was in the preseason. He was always on the outside. So you're moving him into the slot and only really on passing downs because you don't trust him in run defense. So in run defense plays, or where they, they could conceivably run more so. You have Sidney Brown, who's a rookie safety, who's never played at nickel cornerback, lining up in the slot. So the the combination of those two going up against CeeDee Lamb, yeah, I really don't like that. Now there's hope for the Eagles in that regard because they could they should be getting Bradley Roby back after the bye. Even then, that's not like a guy who's like a career slot cornerback as much as he's a guy who can play in there and has some experience in there. I do think he's an upgrade on those two options, which are just totally like non-starters for hopes of being anywhere good. Um, but even so, I'm not saying that's the only reason Dak had success or CD had success. CD went up against Darius Slay at points and won some well, of I mean, those you're battles. over here giving credit to all these other people on the you know, poor Cowboys plays. Like, you have to give credit to Dak and to CD. Like, I mean, they... I know. am. That's what I'm saying. I just yeah, said, I'm like, just there were reps saying. where he beat Darius Slay. It wasn't just... But they very much, to their credit, as they should, exploit a very weakened part of the Eagles' secondary, which is, again, because they, they lost Avante Maddox, who's not like a pro bowler, but is like a good slot cornerback who's often injured. And then they also lost Roby, who was their backup option after trying James Bradbury in there, and that didn't work out. So it is tough to be down to, again, your third string option, and it's two rookies who just don't even have any kind of experience at that position. Last question. Um, Dallas Goddard, um, what's the exact potential approximate time frame on the injury? Um, so it's important to note that the bye week does not count towards him yeah, returning. If, if, 
if you're placed on injured reserve, has he been placed four, on injured reserve? We'll see. That's the I don't we don't know. If, but if you are, to your point, you have to miss four games. It's not not four, four weeks, weeks right? Four games. But the extra time does help him because sure. maybe, maybe normally where he might have to miss just four games. Now that he only has to now that it's four weeks, there's only three games in four weeks. Maybe you don't have to put him on IR. Maybe they could get him back potentially for that Cowboys game there. That's that's why I asked in case we, anyone we don't know yet. This, well, in case anyone doesn't have the schedule in front of them, the Cowboys game is the Eagles' fourth game of their next four. So if you placed so, Goddard on injured reserve, he would be out for the Cowboys game. But the luxury the Eagles have right now is they don't play a game this week, so they can right. kind of wait and see how maybe things go leading up to the Chiefs game and then decide, like, okay, yeah, he's going to need that time to be out, or maybe he, he doesn't. So we don't totally know yet. Nick Sirianni wouldn't say. I'm guessing they will put him on there, but that's just a guess. I don't know. It seems kind of more... Uh, up in the air in terms of when he can be back. But that's definitely okay. a big loss for the Eagles offense. That's the latest. Okay, let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Brandon. While we were gone, you told me on a scale of 1 to 10 um, how sick I sound. No, I didn't. It's not well, true. Um, well, you're very sick for being a Cowboys fan, but. Good one. Um, the Washington Commanders won. We both picked the Patriots. Uh, we both laid the points. Did. Um, and, <laughs> and we they looked, almost won. <laughs> we, yeah, we looked stupid. Did you, did you know, I'm really asking you this, that Sam Howell is second in the NFL in passing yards? I'm not saying that's like a measurement of success. I'm not but I mean, surprised because they've had to pass the ball a lot. So no, right. I'm not uh, like shocked by that. The commanders won 20 to 17, moving themselves further out of contention or consideration for Caleb Williams and Drake May, uh, which is uh, good news for all of us. Uh, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, not there, didn't matter. I This... I don't want to take away from the commanders and don't, I don't want to not give them credit, but this really just says a lot about how bad the Patriots are to me, but hmm. either way um, it was an impressive performance overall. Jahan Dotson is like, he is becoming the new Terry McCorm, like the new, like most hmm. underrated receiver in the NFC East, at least um, he's, he's kind of like ripped that mantle or that, you know, whatever away from Terry McCorn. He is so good. Um, but McLaurin is certainly serviceable as well. Um, and there's all this chatter that the commanders feel like they have uh, found their franchise quarterback. John I Allen saw, saying that Howell is the guy. I saw, I think it was J.P. Finley, um, some, somebody in the Washington media tweeted out um, because there was the big USC Washington game on Saturday night. I don't know, I don't know if you saw this, and obviously it was a big. No. Oh, and every, there, was, there was a big uh, take Mageddon happening. 
because you I, I really don't know if you saw uh, USC lost and Caleb Williams went to the crowd um, and went to see his mom and, you know, was kind of getting consoled by her. And so, as you can imagine, uh, the draft Knicks were out Ooh, and were like, soft. yeah, like blah, 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 blah. But anyway, this is before that. I saw, uh, again, maybe it was JP Finley. It was somebody else uh, potentially who tweeted something about Caleb Williams and the responses were like, Sam Howell's better. Okay, <laughs> believe that if you want. I'm totally fine with that. Um, but they, like, this is who the commanders are. Like, they have enough going on to beat these poor teams, but it keeps them trapped in purgatory. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. That I think, like, from my perspective, I went into week nine with my Eagles rooting guide that I do each week at bleedinggreennation.com. I know you do so, something similar at blogging the boys. I wanted the commanders to win this game. I thought that would be the best thing for the Eagles is the commanders kind of being stuck in the middle there, potentially. Like, there's a scenario here where what if the commanders, like, do get the seventh seed? And I'm guessing they won't stick with Ron Rivera. But, like, what if they do? You know what I mean? Like, what if they accidentally, like, get this false positive and talk themselves into something? Or probably less likely him, honestly, than Sam Howell, who, I mean, maybe he like, he's probably better than the backup. I said he was a backup. I think he's probably he's looking better than a backup. But I think he's, like we've talked about here before here, maybe, like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick some kind of like guy who can Ryan, start for Ryan you. Fitzpatrick, Colt McCoy, Chase Daniel, you know he's what I mean? He's a great like, starter. Yeah. He's a guy who can start for you, but isn't, I mean, honestly, like I think his ceiling is that he's Kirk Cousins. I think that's the same hell as ceiling. Like he's that this is guy. so disrespectful to Kirk Cousins. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but like, I think that's his ceiling is a guy who can put up some good numbers, but you're not really truly going to win big. No one's ever going to be truly scared of Sam Hell, except the Eagles who apparently can't stop him. But, um, yeah, so I think this is kind of false positive material here for the Commanders. There's still a lot of season left. We'll see if Howell hits another gear, then okay, maybe I'm wrong. But for now, I am totally fine with how things are going in terms of the Commanders not being in position for a top quarterback and also not being actually good enough to really do anything except maybe make the seven seed. So as it stands, uh, the Minnesota Vikings hold the seven seed with the Josh Dobbs uh, win. It's funny how that happens because that's not technically a Joshua Dobbs credited win. You know what I mean? Because he didn't start the game. Like, that's always so stupid. But uh, whatever. Anyway, the Vikings are now five and four um, in the seven seed spot. The Commanders, uh, by virtue of beating the Falcons, have the tiebreaker over them. So they're currently the eight seed. Um, so it really just kind of depends on how much you believe in the Vikings and what and how much like they can, you know, duct tape and glue and you know scratch this thing out to you know with joshua dobbs um but let's let's play the prediction game with yeah. the commanders um so they're four and five at the moment they uh we've got the washington football teams matchup this week i think they probably i'll say they second. lose that one and that's obviously that could be potentially big in terms of tiebreaker right so that's four and six then they beat mm -hmm. the giants beat easily. the giants five and six we Ooh, both had them lose to the cowboys so that's yep. five and seven they lose to Miami as well, okay. I think. That's five they and eight. They host Miami. I'm sorry, you're right. Uh, yeah, so five and eight, then they're on bye. Then they, so after their final four games, at five yeah. and eight, the Rams, the Jets, the Niners, the Cowboys. And Let's the Cowboys. They beat the Rams well, and the Jets. So that would be seven and eight. Um, yeah. And say they lose to the Niners, that would be seven and nine. But it's highly possible that Dallas is locked into the five seed or something like that in that week 18 game. Mm -hmm. Um and it depends on what you think of Minnesota. Once again, um, Minnesota still has to play um, 
I mean, well, they've got New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, goodness, Vegas, but they got to play Cincinnati and they still have to play Detroit twice. Uh, the Vikings do. Um, so, I mean, it's possible. And look, wouldn't it be hilarious? But you've said maybe the Eagles are afraid of Sam Howell. If the Lions do surpass the Eagles for the one seed and the seven seed commanders visit the two seed Eagles in the wild card mm. round, that'd be funny. I mean, I'll still sign up. I know it hasn't it hasn't been uh, stress free, but I would still sign up for that. I mean, I would, of course, I'd be okay of course. With that. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm joking around, but that that'd be funny. Um, but no, I mean, like, I don't know. They're they're trapped right now. I don't know how you can feel good about things if you're a Commanders fan. It's just it's a well, it's a weird purgatory right now. I'll try to. I don't like enjoy doing this, but I'll try to be fair and spin the case for optimism again. Maybe Howell hits another gear here. Maybe he is clicking as the season goes along. Sure. Maybe the fact that I think the fact something I don't really fully believe in that as much as what I'm about to say. The fact that you do have new ownership, they're gonna wake. They're gonna want to make their impact on the team as opposed to if they just had Snyder. There's you know more of a chance they just run it back or whatever. The fact that there's a new ownership here. They're going to want to do something splashy and make headlines. And also, if I'm not mistaken, I was looking at 2024 cap space. The Commanders have like the first or second most cap space in the NFL. So, you know, they could really go out all out this offseason. They could make like a big tra- – they have these draft picks now too from the Chase Young and the Sweat trades sure. where they could get aggressive trading up. Yeah, they, uh, they the could be cute. Order. I'm with you. They could, get, they could get aggressive trading for – I don't – not there's not a quarterback that's coming to mind at the top of my head. Um, what if Kirk goes back to Washington? What if Kirk goes? I've brought, back to I've brought that up before. Ky- Kyler That'd Murray is a, is I think a trade candidate. Um, no, that would maybe. Me. I mean, I'm just saying maybe Justin Fields is on the trade block. I mean, <laughs> okay, well that's well. I mean, I, you you asked for names. Maybe Jordan Love. You know what I mean? Like I think those are the names to talk about. But like those are lateral moves from Sam Howell. Like at this point, so um, no, I mean but, like. Sorry, my point there was like they're gonna. I think they'll they'll be trainers will be have an active offseason. They're going to do things that they're going to take big swings and big swings might end up in striking out, but you also might be able to hit a home run. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think it's notable when you can like trade away talented players and get a nice win, like morale's at least high. Like, and we've said it, like they're in a much better place overall. This this was always going to take time, and you have to just at this point be willing to be patient a little bit longer. So that's where the commanders are at. Um, that takes us to, man, the toughest of tough scenes. Um, this game, but it's a good thing. It's I, well, it has the potential to be a good thing ultimately for the Giants. Um, this game was happening in parallel with the Cowboys Eagles game, so like nobody saw it. Um, but the New York Giants got humiliated uh, by the Antonio Pierce-led Las Vegas Raiders, former Giant Antonio Pierce. Um, it was thirty to six, the final score. The Giants fall to two and seven. Uh, it was reported and then confirmed on Monday that Daniel Jones tore his ACL. His season is over. Um, I mean, it's just gone from bad to worse for the Giants. Um, everybody, Brandon, obviously was picking on the Jets on Monday night. Um, and Robert Sala and Joe Douglas for not bringing in another, an alternative option. Uh, Zach that Wilson. Rodgers went down. So I agree with you. But um, I saw this tweet while we were recording. So I've got it here. Um, from Rich Samini, who covers the Jets, obviously, for ESPN. Fewest offensive touchdowns through eight games over the last five seasons. The 2020 Jets with seven. The 2023 Jets with eight. The 2023 Giants with eight. (laughs) And the 2019 Jets with eight. New York football is back, Um, baby. It it goes 
with uh, the Peter King stat that we've referenced many times, which yeah. I don't think is accurate anymore, but uh, from 2017 well, through 2021, the, the New York teams were the most losingest in uh, in the NFL. And they're, they're way, but like the Jets, it's aesthetically the worst teams in the NFL in that time period. But the Jets, you can kind of feel a little bit bad for right now. The Giants, this is just, sure. this is like, dude, to lose to an well, interim no, head no, coach. But no, we can't feel bad for them because they had a chance to do something and they literally did nothing. So again, uh, now some of this is like the vibe shift for the Raiders and firing Josh McDaniels and Antonio Pierce um, obviously was a, a big boost for the Raiders. But to lose to Aiden O'Connell in his first start is just a tough scene for the Giants. And now you're without Daniel Jones. Terod Taylor is on IR. You Darren might Waller this year. Yeah, Darren Waller is on IR. Um, so it's the Tommy DeVito show uh, for this the time tough, being. Man. I mean, I mean, like, dude, it like, what is the redeeming quality of the Giants right now? Yeah, like, Although, why are you I, watching? What are you watching the games for? I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau has, I think, like eight and a half sacks. Okay. That's it. Like, that's all you got going on for you right now if you're a Giants fan. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say him, but like, how much of that is just like good player on a bad team? You know, like someone has to get sacked, someone has to get production. I don't know. I haven't seen the Giants close enough lately to see him play a ton. But I mean, just looking at their schedule to finish out the year, I mean, so they like, they could be so they're at Dallas. They might lose out. So okay, let's. They're two and seven. Find me the third. Tell me where the third win is at Dallas. Yes or no. <sighs> No. no. At Washington, no. no. New no. England, maybe. I'm gonna say no. Then the bye, Green Bay. Maybe the bye coming off. Like, the Packers are pretty. They've been pretty bad. It's possible. Um, at New Orleans, no. At Philly, no. The no. Rams, maybe. I mean, that's possible. I think either the Packers or the Rams. I think that's one. You're looking so at this, one of those. So two. the ceiling is four wins, four or five wins at the absolute most. And honestly, I think they're just going to lose out unless there's a scenario potentially where the Eagles have it wrapped up by week 18 and they play all of their. What if the Eagles backups beat the Giants? That would be so sad. It'd be great for the Giants fans, but and everything. But that would be that would be a very infuriating end to this season if you're the Giants. What if the Eagles have the 18? They're everything locked up by week 18. The, the Giants need to lose that game to get the number one overall pick. The yeah, it's a, it's a Texans, Colts, Bears situation right. from last and year. Yeah. The Giants win. That'd be um, awful. I'm so happy that an O'Connell um, is the person who embarrassed the Giants because it it remains hilarious that like Kevin O'Connell got zero consideration for Coach of the Year last year, and that everybody just handed it to Brian Dable. I mean, look Dable. at what Kevin O'Connell like. Look at what Kevin O'Connell is doing this year. Sure. Like compared to what Brian Dable is doing, like there's no question that Kevin O'Connell is a head and shoulders better coacher than Brian Dable. And everybody fell so in love well, with the Dable Giants storyline. Lost to Brian Dable, unfortunately, twice. I mean, okay, oh, that's sorry. so what the Eagles lost to Joe Judge once. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like we we don't have to well, do it was that. In the playoffs. But, it was like, I mean, and it was a home playoff game. It's a big difference there. All I'm saying is like it's not the, like a trap it, game. People acted like it was a slam dunk to give Brian Dable the coach of the year over Kevin O'Connell when Kevin O'Connell is clearly a better coach. I mean, this, like this Sirianni isn't also beat Nick or Kevin O'Connell. This isn't just, um, you know, Daniel Jones is bad. Daniel Jones is hurt. The offensive line, you know, Darren Waller. They, like Brian Dable needs to have his feet held to the fire here. Like this, this, you cannot be the coach that people hype you up to be and be this consistently bad. Hundred percent, and I think he's getting. 
cover, at least based on some of the tone of the Giants coverage I've seen, including from our friend Ed Valentine at Big Blue View. I disagree with Ed. He, he Ed thinks they need, you know, to so, keep re- these yeah, guys. You- you showed me this. Reference it, please. Tell everybody where to find it. Uh, it's an article on BigBlueView.com, and basically, I forget the title, but it's uh, here. It is. I think it's things. I think, it's I, think, things I think. Yeah. As bad as things are for the Giants, they can't fire Brian Dable and Joe Shane. That's wrong. I, I don't think they necessarily have to. Like, I, I think I'm more willing to hear that. But you can't say they can't do it. Like, it's just zero chance they should do it. No, that's just wrong. Brian Dable has been really bad this year. Now, I'm not saying, like, he should have them in the playoffs. Obviously not. They've had so many things go wrong for them. But you can't tell me with what limited he has had, he's done the most with that. No, he has not maximized this team. They should have been able to steal that win in Buffalo. Now, obviously, what does that mean in the bigger picture? I don't know. But point being, like, I don't think you can say Dable's doing a good job. Obviously, Joe Shane, uh, well, the, the, the Leonard Williams trade was very good, but in terms of the draft, maybe there's just been some bad luck there, but you know, Evan Neal hasn't worked out. Thibodeau seems promising, but kind of a TBD. The Waller trade was hilariously bad for many reasons, because again, we've talked about it before. Like, even if it worked out, he just didn't seem like fit their timeline. And it's just, it wasn't a good bet to make on a player who hadn't really been effective since a couple seasons ago. So I can, I can, see sticking with Shane more than I can see with sticking with Dable. So you didn't mention this, but Ed's kind of basic premise and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm paraphrasing was that you can't make a change because you've made too many changes. Like in yeah, recent that's, that's a sunk like, cost fallacy. Right. But that was like the argument he laid out was that they, the giants had moved on from um, Joe judge and Pat Shermer and but, um, like, okay. Then Right. And that's all I'm saying. But like my I'm just I'm agreeing with you. I'm just contextualizing it more. Ed was saying, like, you moved on from each of those like windows after two years. You have to give this one longer than two years to kind of, you know, prove itself. No, I don't. again I'm agreeing with you, but like I'm just laying out his logic. Dable um, has been yeah, McAdoo. Like, and we've been saying I've been I, saying that like all season long or asking that. He's just he's McAdoo. He had that one good year. I don't know. It was kind of fluky, and now it's not the same thing. I don't know that I subscribe to that the Giants have to move on from either one um, yet. I'm certainly, you know, as the days go, getting closer there. But I definitely disagree with the idea that, like, you can't move on just because you moved on from other eras after short windows in the past. Like, that's silly to me. I agree. Um, right. I'm not man. saying you definitely have to 100% fire Dable now or at the end of the season. But you can't. It has to be discussed. And also, you know, it's, it's relative, too, right? You don't. I'm not saying fire him blindly than to hire just someone else you should evaluate him against the other candidates that are potentially out there if you see a potential upgrade then you should make the move i've joked about this but like i've said it before like that's dude the the like the dominoes are falling like they really are like right like robert craft i mean i don't think no but the right move for them though robert craft is like kind of sick of the patriots losing how can you not be right like you're on what year four of post tom brady and like it hasn't turned itself around like and oh yeah, the Patriots really... should move on from him. To be clear, right? Like, well, he doesn't match their timeline either. Like with his chasing Don Shula's record, and so like, if, is there a team that Bill Belichick would love to get that record with more than the New York Giants? You know what I mean? Like for him to go home, you know what I mean? Like a place he reveres, you know what I mean? Blah 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 blah. They would like, have to trade and... for him, probably. Which I would, not yeah, do. but he he would give them the like credibility that they don't have. Like I recognize his credibility has taken a bit of a hit, um, no. but like. 
I'm and I'm not the first person to suggest or intimate this like super low hanging fruit idea, but like it makes sense. I think like it, it makes sense in terms of happening in the offseason. So we'll see. Yeah, I think this might work out for the Giants because if they do lose out and they do get the number one overall pick or even number two, they can actually they have to get a quarterback now. Basically, like the Daniel Jones injury, I like I feel sorry for Daniel Jones. That's unfortunate for him. But this is like great for the Giants in terms of forcing their hand. Because, yeah, like they have to now. They literally have to because he, he might not even be able to play next year or at least you know early in the season, depending on how long it takes him to cover. And beyond that, like his contract. They can move on from him after next season. They're stuck with him for 2024, but whatever. Who cares? That's just one year, and you're going to have a rookie in here anyway, and then you can move on from him after 2024. So I'm curious about something. I'm looking something up. Buy, buy me 10 more seconds. You can do this. What are you looking up? Um, it's about an ACL thing because obviously oh, – the timeline? So Kyler Murray, who was also taken in the 2019 NFL mm-hmm. draft, um, is going to, in all likelihood, return this week mm-hmm. um, from a torn ACL. He he tore his ACL last year. Time, right? Or was it later? No, it was, that's what I was checking. It was on December 12th when okay. he tore it. So, I mean, it took, it's called 11 months. Um, so, to your point, Daniel Jones is maybe returning in October, October. Um, of next year. And, and maybe it happens earlier than that. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's an injury where some people are able to come back faster, but like, to your point, you can't just like, you, you're, if you're the giants, you cannot be like, Oh, we'll just find, you know, we'll run it Tarod, back to Rod Taylor, Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? Like whatever, like level backup to kind of hold down the fort for a month until Daniel jumps comes back. So mm-hmm. um, you're right. It, it might have forced the acceleration of their consideration of moving on for a different quarterback. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, are you ready to offer some early picks for? I do 10? think they will not move on from Dable and Shane. By the way, I, I don't. I don't think they will. We're talking about. We can talk about should, but I'm. I do think they. Because I think it's about flipping one switch or flipping one lever, and I think quarterback is going to be that lever. Um, I think that's fair. By the way, before we offer our picks, uh, Brandon will not be on TJ football this week, and neither will Steven Serta. If anybody listens to those shows, um, so we should congratulate our host. Well, we should congratulate on Twitter. We should congratulate ourselves now, Brandon, because for the first time ever, our same game parlay wow. hit last week on TGI football before yeah. halftime. <laughs> yeah, uh, our, we uh, we based it around the Cowboys Eagles game. You took the over on CD Lamb. Uh, it was like 73 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Steven took uh, over on Jake Ferguson. I think it was like mm-hmm. 61 and a half. And I took the Cowboys on the race to 10 points. All three hit in the first oh. half. So uh congratulations to us and i think um, you won like 60 bucks if you put a 10 dollar wager on that so seriously boom. think think about how much brothy soup you could buy with that um okay the uh eagles are on by and we only have two games to get to this week because the cowboys and giants play one another uh you mentioned that the cowboys um spread has grown to 16 points that they are laying yeah, at I, mean, home. I don't care i could that could spread to be anything i'm taking why would you what is there to believe in with the giants what are you banking on the Cowboys have literally shown they can dominate inferior teams. And Even they're if, also coming off of this loss, they're going to be angry, motivated, whatever. They, I was just going to add, they also have an 11-game winning streak at home, uh, the, yeah. high, the home. largest in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, um, this, is, this is... There's easy. zero reason today, other than it's football and weird things can happen out of nowhere. Um, okay, so we're both laying 16 points uh, on the Cowboys to beat the Giants. Uh, finally, the Washington football teams, the Commanders, uh, heading out west. 
Um, they are getting six points to face the Seahawks. I, I tweeted this out, by the way, on mm-hmm. Sunday night. I tweeted that there were three teams who had a real chance to kind of prove themselves on Sunday, and they all failed to do so. The Dolphins against the Chiefs in Germany, the Cowboys against the Eagles in Philly, and the Bills against the Bengals in Cincinnati. Uh, but somebody tweeted back at me. was like, you could add the Seahawks to that mix. The Seahawks had a sure. huge chance to make a statement against the Ravens. And similarly, we should be giving the Ravens, you should be giving the Ravens a lot of love. Uh, for Amazing just, regular season team. For destroying them. Um, but um, Seahawks kind of in a similar spot in, in terms of needing to rebound after an embarrassing loss. Yeah, but I think they'll be able to do that here against the commanders i question them against the better teams but i don't think the commanders are in that class and i think the seahawks will i mean the commanders might cover i could see them making it a game but i will actually lean with the seahawks bouncing back and being able to cover in a win um i think i'm gonna lay the points i'm gonna take the seahawks um i i trust them so i'm good to go there um okay the time has come to add the commanders if they could get it The time has come for songs. Rachelle, um, Rachelle was a bit tardy this week. I'm going to call her out. I, we had to remind Rachelle, mm. although we didn't tell her when we were recording, so maybe that's our fault. Uh, but uh, she did get a song turned in nonetheless. She has gone with So Ambitious by Pharrell and Jay-Z. I am going to go, um, I'm, I'm going to associate my song with uh, my own health and with where mm. I think the Cowboys are at. I'm going to go with One Step at a Time by Jordan Sparks. It's a great little intro, like great little melody to start. I just need to take this one step at a time, nice and slow. Okay. I thought Rachel's pick was amusing because I happened to have picked a song where an artist from her song is also an artist to my song, but it's not by Pharrell, to be clear. It's a feature by Pharrell. And it's from the great album, Random Access Memories. It is Daft Punk's Get Lucky because just up all night to get lucky over here. That was a great album. Um, a lot of people remember that song the most. Um, I really liked the song. I think it was called Lose Yourself to Dance. Um, also it was on that on that album. A banger. It's a great yeah. album, like you said. It's on the like there's really no skips on that. That's a from front to back, very strong. But uh yeah. Um cool. Then um Let's chunk deuces as we do. Um, That's not the best terminology when you're not feeling well, I feel like. Um, yeah, I know. I'm not feeling nauseous. I just have a sore throat. Um, mm. Brandon, you are not going to be here in all likelihood next week. I don't think you can week. feel nauseous. I think you can only be nauseous. You can feel nauseated. Wait, is, is that right? I feel, you would feel nausea. That's what you would feel. You would feel nauseated. You'd be you, you're, nauseous as a state of being. So um, I, am na- I, I am nauseous. I can't um, feel nauseous. I'm I'm not any of those things though, to be clear. Like that. So chunking deuces is not like something I'm concerned with. You're not nauseated. Um, you are in all likelihood not going to be here next week. Uh so right. tell us something cool. Tell us who you want to be on the podcast at RJ Ochoa at Brandon. Um Martin. yeah, Brandon's making me work really hard over the course of the next like ten days. Oh, it's or the so. by week. I mean, I'm just saying taking like, a break. I was here when the Cowboys were on their bye. You know, this just... season has been kicking my butt, if we're just being honest. No one needs to feel bad for me because, obviously, that would be very silly. But with all these non – like, there's these have three 1 o'clock games this year. Maybe four, I guess, with Week 18 potentially. But, like, every game is a night game. Dude, and so it's just tough. It's tough. I'm not trying to complain every about this week. either. 
but we were all excited because last week the, the they both had one o'clock games. Uh, the Cowboys played the Rams in the early slate, and my internet went out right after the game. Ended. I saw that. So, like it was, it was just like I couldn't even like Trustful. everything I wanted to do got delayed. So like I didn't yeah. even have a chance to like enjoy that. It was terrible. Um, but since you're not going to be here next week, uh, tell us something that you have in your fridge right now mm. that will still be there mm. when you're on the next episode of the NFC Spinster. Yeah, my fridge is kind of empty. I need to do some grocery shopping. Um, so not a whole lot right now. Um, pickles. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic.